0: Welcome to episode 87 of the Grip Strip Podcast. The number 101, not number 87. It's number 101 or hashtag 101 because Lewis Hamilton won his 101st Formula One race in his illustrious career and it might have been one of the best weekends he's ever had in his career uh, version of the Grip Strip Podcast. We're going to talk about The Brazilian Grand Prix or Sao Paulo Grand Prix, because they couldn't get permission or some bullshit. I call it Brazilian Grand Prix uh, for TV and everybody else's sake. They're calling it Sao Paulo. doesn't really matter. It was in the same place the Brazilian Grand Prix has taken place every year since 1991 or some crap. So Lewis won after an epic performance. A lot of controversy across the whole entire weekend. Um, We're going to get into that. Um, NASCAR plenty to talk about there. GSP Roundup. We've got Petit Lama, we got Valentino Rossi's final race in his legendary career. We have NHRA ending their season uh, crowning champions amongst other racing. We're gonna discuss the Qatar Grand Prix. Um, the epic uh, head-to-head matchup in the football s- and fantasy football segment and of course the, our Sims segment and the show close. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host and good buddy Josh Fine. What's good man? Because If he hadn't done it, I have a hard time believing um, this, the rest of this season would have mattered. But what did you think of the performance of Lewis Hamilton 10 and a half second victory at the Sao Paulo Brazilian Grand Prix on Sunday, Josh?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, like you said, I think sprint races, of course, I think it's more of an edge case where, you know, you have a driver that's been penalized to the back of the grid with a really good car. Um, and they're able to go back up through the field in 20 laps, 24 laps to, um, get a, you know, a fifth place grid start. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty epic race or just, just in that itself is pretty epic. I mean, talk about being able to have a good piece like that and your car being DQ'd. So it was basically, uh, you know, they had to make that change with, uh, or, you know, make sure they were in spec for, um, the the rules there and then they drive through the or he drives through the field and starts in fifth for before the penalty, of course, and then uh, is able to still come back uh, from 10th and then end up winning the race. It's all, it's all very Epic. And yeah, I mean, even if you're not a Lewis Hamilton fan, you have to respect it. But I mean, I will say though um, if they brought reverse grid in, I mean, that's kind of like the invert in short track racing here in the States. So that'd be uh, pretty funny to see Um, they should just have Lewis and Max uh, start on the last row, t- have them shotgun on the field and then just see uh, which of them can drive through uh, the field first. Uh, that should be pretty interesting. Maybe should do that for the last couple of races here and uh, decide the championship that way. Like maybe. a pursuit. Yeah. 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 But I think. Um, it, it's an edge case because normally you see the best cars obviously qualify up or near the field and then maybe they only have a chance to make up you know one or two positions uh in in the sprint race and you don't really see much after that um but this of course with the ability to have a penalty of course it yeah it does justify the case uh to do that or for you know the future have more sprint races so it's probably more in the future than maybe what you know both of us want but most people probably think of, you know, even some of the drivers teams, what maybe what they really think of the sprint racing and all that, but then going to the race itself, of course, uh, Lewis Hamilton starts, uh, in 10th and then there's, you know, a little bit of, a uh, you know, chaos on the start, you know, Lando Norris, uh, had his contact with Carlos Sainz and then ended up having to limp around the track, uh, all the way, uh, on, you know, three wheels, basically with a flat tire, um, he's able to recover. But, you know, for Lewis, that's one position they can take care of r- relatively easily. And then he's just able to continue to go through the field, um, throughout the uh the rest of the race. I mean the first pit stop uh gained a lot of time, I think, even though he um pitted maybe the strategy like wasn't the best undercutting there, I think he made up a lot of time there because he
0: and he plus had a good car. Yeah. I think the undercut in that situation is a good point you made there. I I wanted to just put in, I think because Max made a comment that don't put me in that spot again, which in turn led to the next set of pit stops.
1: Yeah. And then you know after that, um he was able to get closer to Lewis, or to Max for stopping and then uh, the final pit stop. I, I think he kind of uh, got away from him a little bit. I think Max uh, did kind of increase his delta to Lewis, but then I just feel like the way Lewis's car was handling, I think he was going to catch him eventually. He had a really fast car on the straights. And then, I mean, before the first attempt where he got ran off the track, uh, I think he was um, getting closer, but it uh, was kind of struggling through the middle section, middle sector of the track uh, there. And then, of course, the uh, attempted pass is, you know going to draw a lot of controversy there. Did Max run off the track uh, or did he just overrun the corner there? Uh, I mean, he, they, there was a camera angle on Max's car, but, of course, it doesn't really – it's not – a hundred percent there because I, I think they had the camera on corner entry before they switched away from it so just uh i I mean I think it's a racing incident but um I, I heard uh, one point I think Carlos Sainz talked about is that they should have natural track limits on the track you know they it was that part is paved right there so maybe uh tracks should just have grass or gravel or something you know like in the Classic days, you know, the old days when uh, you actually had real track limits. I mean, it's not just Formula One. I mean, look at NASCAR at Watkins Glen. They've overrun the carousel there. Um, you know, that's another example of track limits. But, uh, you know, in certain places, yeah, they should definitely have more track limits.
0: Sorry. I mean, the yeah. the track, the signs talked about that for turn four. I mean, back in the day. Going back to the 90s, I believe when Eddie Irvine went and drove over the back of Martin Brundle's car and cause a massive incident. I think, and there's like Jasper Stoppin or J.J. Leto. I forget which one of them was in that Benetton. They had a massive accident, and I think that was grass or something. There was a flip or something. I think he went over the back of somebody, and it went over the back, and it was still grass back then. Um, the insistence or the move to having paved runoff areas, I think, came from whether it was Wayne Rainey's um you know incident that he had in 93 that left him paralyzed or some of these other incidents that have taken place where there's or there's short runoff areas you know i think paved runoffs have been more of a thing for motorcycle racing which i get but in terms of car racing you need to have the natural runoffs like sand um you need to have some other aspect i mean the paul ricard method is is horrendous um you basically if you already have a issue like you have to rats or you have something like that you're gonna have a fit you're gonna end up having a seizure watching a race there because it's ugly and it's stupid um but the one thing they have there is they have this like graduated runoff there where i think it slows you down or it's rougher or something like that which is fine just do it in a way that doesn't make you want to go and have have an ha- have a fit um but just Carlos signs. it's true. I mean, that's an older circuit, too. Um, I think whatever, based on their tier one or group one or grade one or whatever the bullshit they come up with, um, you know, you want to tell me the Jedi street circuit, Jetta, whatever Jedi mind tricks street circuit that they're going to have in um, in Saudi is a grade one circuit. Why? Because they have a bunch of effing walls and a bunch of paved runoff areas. That's the same logic as walking. I mean, you just made the Watkins Glen comment. Watkins then could hold a Formula One race if they really wanted to. It's a case of if somebody wants to pay that's that's fundamentally what it boils down to more than anything but i guess that's beside the point i'm sorry i c- cut in there but no i mean it's
1: fine like yeah i mean the track limit thing i mean yeah like yeah watkins glenn's i think in terms of actual tracks grade one is just the infrastructure and that's i wonder if that's actually what grade one means is oh it can hold infrastructure and and hold like all the clientele and all that stuff the party and everything then um that's all that means because uh yeah like yeah the saudi track I mean, it's just going to be walls, and it's it's going to look like nothing. Like, I mean, I played the you know the F one games, and I mean the only like again like the only tracks I really like are the ones that are natural runoffs, the ones that have been there a long time, and you know like the the city circuits. Some of them just look ugly to me.
0: Yeah, the the and and it's a good point. You're you're talking about Aiden Millward who does. YouTube videos and stuff and does like throwbacks to all old racing and sports cars, touring cars, Formula One. He's a sim guy. He went to Watkins Glen and basically said they'd have to move the whole pit and everything complex into the boot area and redo everything if they wanted to have a grade one circuit. Otherwise it wouldn't be possible because of the infrastructure. Um, it It is what it is. Watkins Glen's perfectly great. They're basically only missing an IndyCar race, which is a fundamental thing between now Roger Penske and um, I'm forgetting the guy uh, who runs uh, Watkins Glen. The, he's one of the best there is out there. I don't uh, remember he, his name. Either. I forget his name. I'm going to look him up here. But we'll, we have to get back on Formula 1. Yeah, we went, we, we went on a tangent on tracks. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, with, with Formula 1, it makes sense because of all the bad tracks they seem to go to.
1: No, yeah, but in, anyways, though, I mean, but yeah, after that first attempted pass, Lewis, I mean, he lost a little bit of ground, but then he was able to make it back up. And he, I mean, it just tells you how good of a car he had, and then eventually... Again, past um, Max going into turn four, but this time he completed the pass on the straight and was able to drive away from him. And then from there is Lewis's race uh, and shows the great comeback that he had. Uh, Yeah, okay. Michael prints up the name of the Watkins Glen uh, guy. But anyways, though, yeah, with Lewis, uh, it puts him back into position into the championship. He's able to uh, put pressure on Max Verstappen there. And he's now got a 14-point Uh, deficit, which if Max had won, that would have been, it probably would have been game over for Lewis. Um, There still could have been a slight, chance but i think now that he uh, had won this race gives him a better chance to win the championship and certainly um, i think any race from here on out if max wins i do think it's probably gonna be game over for lewis uh so it's kind of like you, know, you talked about it on twitter i saw you were tweeting about the race it's kind of reminding you of tony stewart's comeback in 2011 i mean this maybe this is the start maybe lewis wins here at qatar then wins at saudi arabia and then goes out and wins the uh Abu dhabi grand prix and we we end up seeing uh, a great comeback in this uh, championship because if he wins all the rest these uh, last four races uh last you know the next three in the, this past one then lewis is gonna uh, win the championship probably because uh, he wins seven points over max every time and he's got a 14 point deficit so would definitely win the championship there but i, I think um it's going to come down to the wire we'll see uh this new track i think we'll talk about it later but could could provide me always going to new track. uh, There's always uh, differences they have to learn and adapt to throughout the weekend. So could uh, pose up some interesting uh, challenges for uh, both of these drivers going into uh, this weekend. So uh, the championship now is a little bit more interesting than had uh, Max Verstappen won, which is good because I mean, even though I I will admit, I kind of want to see Max win just to see a different champion, but at least make it interesting and work for it and have
0: to earn it. And Lewis is definitely doing that part of the end. And you know, being on the other side of that deal, you know, being on the other side of it and being in a plus position as a fan for many years, minus 2016. um, You know, after all the years of watching Michael Schumacher, Sebastian Vettel, and others kind of dominate, um, having your driver win uh, is cool. And um, it's a fun thing. I mean, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll agree that, you know, if you're not the fan of that guy or whoever, it ain't great. Um, NASCAR's proof of that. Um, But, you know, the fact of the matter is you have to respect it in a sense. And that's what I, and I've had to begrudgingly do that. But at this point in my life, I'm going to go sit there and hate the town. I'm not going to discount the talent. I can discount the fact that the person's a piece of shit. And, you know, Max Verstappen's an asshole and a douchebag. And his, so is his dad. And his dad couldn't drive a hot nail through snow. And his the guy, every single person that's one of his enablers on that team don't help him. But he's a great race car driver. um, And he has the best race car and best team. But they got beat. And they got the brakes knocked off him this whole weekend. They were crying wolf because that's... They're crying Toto Wolf. That'll be the whole new thing because Karen Horner can't deal with getting beat. Um, he can't deal with getting beat. He blames anybody and everybody but himself. You know, his diapers weren't on right. Cause Jerry didn't put them on or whatever. She didn't stick him in the ass or whatever the hell, uh, whatever the heck it was. She didn't use enough lube. I can't, I, I, I cannot stand Christian Horner for a guy who is as rich as he is. He's got SPS, like orangeade, like it's ridiculous. Like he's got a Napoleon complex and he's got SPS and it's like, you're a douchebag for fuck's sake. You had Sebastian Vettel, great legend, freaking 52 wins. And like, so he's like third all time in all in wins. I figure Max eventually is going to get there they're at the rate they're doing things. Cause now they have to control the engine too. Um, and Adrian knew he's never going to retire. I think he's going to be 150 still alive still because they're going to hook him up to an Ivy or Red Bulls. And he'll still be designing cars. And, and the fact of the matter, but in this case right here, they, they, they got humbled um, and, and Lewis and, and Mercedes did them old country way. And it was nice. Um, it was, it it was an awesome feeling. It it reminded me I I had the, and it's a good day. It's cool. You, you made that mention Josh about, I, I guess that was the other part, what that race and that weekend felt like was like Martinsville 2011 because Tony had already won two races in the in the chase that year but then he responded by like finishing 26 at dover having a couple other nothing performances and he was in trouble he was a lap down or gonna go a lap down denny hamlin was there to pass him to go and put him a lap down at martinsville stayed on the lead lap came all the way back to be in a green white checkered situation against jim johnson indycar rookie previous indycar rookie jim johnson the seven-time nascar cup series champion jim johnson now at one of his best racetracks passed him on the outside on a restart and beat him and jeff gordon to win at martinsville basically called a shot and then went and won the next week finished third of the week after that and had one of the craziest performances at at Uh, at Homestead uh, to basically bring the format that we have now because they insist they need to have this format because they cannot organically make a championship, even though Tony Stewart did that for them um, in 2011. Um, Little did I know that was going to be basically the end of Tony's career. But, you know, uh, you take that because everyone still talks about that. And um, if Lewis can do the same thing and that's basically his walk-off shot, so be it. Um, he wins eight championships. The only person I can see that's going to win eight championships that's in Formula One at the moment. I, I mean, I'm a, a George Russell guy, but I feel like if you put George Russell and Max are stopping together, it's just like Michael Schumacher and damon hill except george russell actually is much better than damon hill and max Verstappen is a dick and a douche and whatever and he's got that killer instinct thing like michael schumacher and he's got the team and everything behind him um michael schumacher was a very nice man away from the track and he loved his wife and family and all these things but when you put him in a race car he became a he became a different guy the same way as Ayrton senna did which is why those comparisons are there And then you can start thinking about how Lewis drives and Max drives. And it all connects because they're all great. And that's a part of what Formula One is. And, you know, if it would be the best Formula One championship battle probably we've seen um, since 2012. And, I mean, even the Massa hamilton battle in 08 didn't have the same kind of angst. Uh, There was a lot of crap that went on during that year. And it literally took until the last... Few corners of last lap to decide that deal, but we will see what happens. Um, I'm glad Lewis won from 10th, um, because if he hadn't, it was going to be a problem for sure. Josh said Lewis wins, Max second, led uh, Lewis led 17 laps, Max Verstoppen led 51. Valtteri Botas, who had won the sprint, led three laps before Max Verstoppen passed him. Uh, Nobody else led. Uh, Sergio Perez got the fastest lap, finished fourth. Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz for Ferrari, fifth and sixth. Gasly, seventh. The Alpines, eighth and ninth. And McLaren's um, downfall continues. Uh, Lando Norris, of course, having the issue with uh, one of his BFFs, Carlos Sainz, ends up 10th. Ricardo ended up having to retire with an engine issue, which is something that we'll have to watch in the last three races with the Mercedes teams. Um, you know, you got stuff I'm trying to look like over here outside of that Vettel. It was just outside of the points. The Raikkonen from tailback finished 12th Russell had a a awful weekend Uh, you know Giovinazzi 14th after and now he's been he's going to be replaced by uh, Guan Yu Zhou who's going to bring all the money his money or whatever the backing and support that he has to Alpha uh, to take over the ride, that was probably going to be um, Colton Herta's ride if Andretti had been able to buy the team. But it'll be Guan Yu Zhou moving out from F2, leaving the Al- the Alpine Renault Academy uh, that he's been a part of for the last few years and running in F2 and all that. And now he'll be the teammate of Valtteri Bottas next year in Formula One trying to think of who else would be in that's a rookie. I think he'll be the only rookie in formula one next year. Um, So that'll be something. Uh, But yeah, in regards to the midfield battle, I think it it's Ferrari Josh that has responded. McLaren was up most of the year. Uh, Ferrari had a couple of peaks, but really they weren't there. And then since the summer break, Ferrari has been at a different level. And that combination, we've talked about it here multiple episodes, how good they've been. And they show up every week. Uh, you know, Charles Leclerc shows up on Saturdays for sure. Sundays, it depends. Of course, he finished second British Grand Prix. But then Carlos Sainz has had multiple podiums too. And he is... A really solid, strong driver, and that combination. And we've talked about it. Like I've said it on the Grid Talk. We've, we've discussed it on Grid Talk podcast myself or other guests on there. Um, that you know that combination. It could get very volatile next year with the new rules. But as of now, with what what's going on, they're running very well together. And it's part and parcel why they're going to end up finishing third in the Constructors' Championship. And there's a possibility that um, fourth in the Drivers' Championship could be in play with the two Ferrari guys over Lando Norris with how everything is gone. But um, I don't know. What are you looking at in regards to not only that, but other guys like even Pierre Gasly continuing to do Pierre Gasly things?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, with... Uh, Ferrari versus McLaren there. I think they yeah, made a great point with, uh, Ferrari. They've, they've been very consistent. And then I think with McLaren, they've left a lot of points on the table. Uh, and I mean, even they've admitted that their team principal, uh, said exactly that. They've left a lot of points there. We had, uh, other than the win, uh, that, uh, McLaren had earlier in the year with uh, Daniel Mercado. Uh It's been a, a pretty up and down year for McLaren and Lando had a lot of uh, pace and results earlier in the year, but now, uh, you know, like, like he's uh, since that, that summer break. And since that accident, you know, he's been off uh, Ricardo has been up and down since the summer break. Uh, but lately he's been kind of down, of course, had that uh, engine issue as well. Uh, so Uh, didn't finish this race. And on the other hand, you have Ferrari uh, continuing to get, um, even if they're not, you know, getting podiums or anything, they're getting solid uh, midfield finishes, getting solid uh, points. uh, And that's uh, enough for them to keep racking uh, up those points every week. And they get uh, over Ferrari now or over uh, McLaren and they have like 30 point gap now to uh, uh, lead over uh, McLaren in, in the championship standings and, or the, constructors championship standing so uh that's uh, a lost opportunity for mclaren and shows just how important and how tough this uh, championship uh battle is for the manufacturers but on the other side yeah uh, pierre glasley was able to have a, a great race again still uh kind of carrying the flag for uh alpha and you know we talked about him uh, in the preview of this race last week, uh, that he could be a guy that kind of shows up and is able to finish pretty well for uh, the midfield, and and did exactly that, getting seventh place finish there. And then I think also Alpine uh, had a pretty good weekend for themselves. Uh, they had eighth and ninth place finish for uh, Fernando and Esteban Ocon, so a uh, good good result there for that team, uh, getting another points finish and uh, for both cars, which uh, is pretty solid. And then of course um, the other guys like uh, I think Vettel could have had an opportunity. He was kind of up there in the top 10 in the middle portion, beginning of the race. But I think he just uh, slipped out of there uh, as the race went on and ended up finishing lap down anyways. Uh, Sunoda, uh finished uh lap down uh, and then, I mean, it's pretty much it for guys that he could went and dumped it inside
0: of land of yeah. uh, land stroll. And, and as uh, the great uh, Martin Brundle would say, he was a day late and a dollar short on that move. So that was, he basically ended himself against stroll right. and that's yeah.
1: And then, yeah, I think ultimately overall, I mean, that's pretty much uh, the midfield discussion there is uh, you, you have a red bull bo- or not Red Bull confused me the Alvatore's they're kind of behind the uh Ferrari and, and McLaren uh but they're uh, still getting only one car that's getting really good results in gasoline I think that shows his talent there of course uh Ferrari McLaren uh it looks like it's beginning to swing more in Ferrari's direction now still got a couple of races left maybe uh McLaren picks it back up and they're able to close by the end of the year but uh it looks like this is going to be a third on the championship for uh Ferrari they're kind of showing their uh rebuilding you know, after last year they were really bad and they've kind of rebuilt themselves uh, this year and they're uh, slowly getting back to their form that they used to have historically and then now maybe yeah like you said with 2022 uh, they're going to be a a force to be reckoned with possibly that maybe maybe they end up having what the kind of year that uh, mclaren what we thought they would had at the beginning of the year and what they had up until the last couple of weeks maybe they have that type of year and they're a lot more competitive and maybe some race wins up on the table uh, for them next year especially with the new car
0: yeah it's gonna be something i the hope with the 2022 package is the likes of ferrari mclaren can fight uh, Mercedes uh, with their new combination and Red Bull uh, which would bring back 2010-2012 vibes and it would be great to be fair um, Lewis, it's part of the reason why he only has under one wins because if Lewis had a better car over that time I think he would add more than won world championship but he also to to be honest it's part of what makes jensen button uh jensen button's greatness is bigger than the world championship than he won he was one of the only guys probably the only teammate that really stood up and was able to compete and beat lewis hamilton i think that speaks as much or more to jensen button's driving ability uh than the fact that he is a world champion even though he is a world champion um it gives him validity um and I think it's more, and it was legitimate. Um, it wasn't forced like they did with with um, uh, Nico Rosberg, uh, because Nico Rosberg is a bitch. Um, but uh, the points, 14 points, Verstappen over Hamilton, three races to go. Botas has a was 25-point lead on Sergio Perez for third. Lando Norris is only three points out of Charles Leclerc. For fifth, so I'm sorry, I said fourth, it was fifth. Uh, Carlos Sainz is uh, 11 and a half points behind uh, Lando. So that's an interesting battle that's going to go all the way to the wire. There was a point earlier this year that Lando Norris was third in the world championship. Uh, But of course, Sergio Perez has won a race. Botas has won a race. Um, That'll affect things. Ricardo, Gasly, Alonso, your top 10 in the drivers. In terms of the constructors, as Josh mentioned, Ferrari is taking a huge lead. Right now is 31. Yeah, uh, 31 point lead. So it's going to be very hard for the, for uh, McLaren to come back from 31.5 point lead. Uh, Mercedes is 11.5 points out of Red Bull uh, for the constructors' championship lead. Alpine and AlphaTauri are in a dead heat for fifth in the constructors. Of course, Alpine that's the nod with uh, Esteban Ocon's Hungarian Grand Prix win. We'll get into the Qatar Grand Prix later on, but um, let's uh, talk about some NASCAR stuff here. Uh, the next-gen testing is taking place uh, at Charlotte on Wednesday the 17th. Uh, some new combinations driving there, including Brad Keselowski, the car owner, of rfk racing in his first appearance as a car owner and driver of the numbers iconic number six and um, announcements came up he basically has kurt Busch's old one team the ganassi one team uh, moving over to work with him he has tj majors moving over with him as well to be his uh, spotter Um, You know, they're making other changes over there. They're going to be RFK racing. Uh, There's been other announcements going on, but um, I'll let you go in first, Josh, um, what your thoughts are, what you've seen, um, what you're looking at in regards to what's uh, come out with this uh, next-gen car, uh, this Gen 7 uh, here this week and some of the other news bites that have come out that are interesting in regards to the nascar world yeah i, mean, I think first of all with the nascar uh next-gen testing. I think the
1: biggest headline today was uh, Austin Dillon crashing uh, in testing and uh, looked like it was a pretty significant damage on the front end uh, for his car and um, not sure exactly what happened. I uh, haven't really seen some of the clips, but definitely a pretty heavy impact. And they've talked about the uh, driver safety uh, uh, within an impact, how how hard uh, the chassis would crush or, or not crush. And it seems like, uh, it looks like it held up pretty Pretty fine and then Austin Dillon of course released uh, from the infield care center and everything so looks like he's fine uh, but still do want to uh, hear more about the impact and how how it compares to crashing in uh, the old car and if that changes uh, anything if it does feel like they uh, have a harder crash impact uh, because of the chassis stiffness uh, that's been rumored to you know be known about that that's uh, something I'm very interested in. Of course, uh, Denny Hamlin uh, spun off of turn four during the uh, test as well, and looks like he was just trying to push the car a little bit. Uh, too hard there and uh, just simply lost it coming off the of turn four. Uh, I think there were some other drivers that had some difficulty uh, with uh, driving the car on the oval. I think Alex Bowman said uh, he compared the car to the previous car and said that you could really push the uh, old car really easily. But this one uh, now it seems like there's a lot more finesse to it and definitely uh, is going to be a little bit harder to push, uh, especially when you're you know driving uh, against the competition, and restarts and all that, so it could be interesting uh, with these drivers in a pack, especially on a restart or beginning of the race, and they're trying to uh, push the car at the limit to try to make a, a lot of positions. You know, after uh, stages and you know on green-white checkers, we see you guys lose it, and then. Uh, have more crashes of course and we talked about it a couple weeks ago when joe Passero was on the, the curve bumper and everything oh well, drivers pushing the car that maybe is not as stable as what it is before and then combined with the curve bumper do we see a lot of increase in cautions uh, so that's going to be uh, something to look out for as well uh, but overall um seems like uh there's a lot of things that are still left uh, to be learned about this car uh, definitely think um They probably need to do more testing, uh, later on, um, at this track or at other places, maybe test it at Darlington or, uh, test it at, uh, Homestead. See how does it react at a, a uh, non-traditional, uh, mile and a half track, uh, or, you know, test it at a, another short track. I mean, they need to just test it as everywhere as they can, uh, before they get to Daytona before they start the next uh, season here uh, in 2022. Uh, so that that's uh, going to be an interesting thing is how, how does this car get integrated and how do these drivers perform uh, as they go out uh, throughout the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, that's there. I mean, I think the testing they're doing right now, it's hard to say how much you're really going to get with the kind of cold temperatures that you have. Uh, I mean, if ACS was actually a thing still, I would probably would want to go out there and run out there. But then there's all kinds of crap going with whether that track's going to be a short track or not. Run on a rougher surface, test the tires, see what the durability of the bad years are in a warmer place. And you'd have a longer time to test to um, go out to Daytona because they want to destroy race cars. Let's see if they can actually drive around each other, run at Daytona, run at some tracks in Florida, run in some tracks in California, run at Irwindale. You know, Irwindale would be a good kind of, you know, litmus thing. It's not going to be what they're going to have at the Coliseum. But, you know, run at Irwindale would be good for durability, kind of test on the short track. That would be forward thinking, but a NASCAR um and we'll see what happens but i mean there's been news that's come out uh in regards to uh certain teams and whatever i i posted so look at that oh that's good there's some news um next gen losing an interest spoiler expected to add horsepower so well 30 horsepower yeah because they had a big ass spoiler i mean here's the thing even like My mom's a lay fan of any, you know, whatever, explain the same stuff, whatever. Even she could notice the big-ass spoiler, um, as Dale Jr. called it. She noticed it. That's how ridiculous that thing is on the back, and it's too big. So there you go. They've already cut one inch off the spoiler for the one-and-a-half-mile, the cookie-cutter tracks. Um, It says Probes is saying it's going to add 30 horsepower. Hopefully it'll give them a little more run off the corner, maybe make the center being able to turn through the center a little more instead of it being wide open um they need to cut that thing down you need to just have i'm telling you it's what they did in the 70s they had a little one inch little blade on the back that's what they did when they had them big ass cars they had back in the 70s to have a one inch spoiler that's all you need. yeah but i mean
1: those I cars yeah, no, I mean, sorry, but I mean, those cars were a lot different back then. I mean, I I do agree uh, to an extent. I mean, I think it should be like four inches or something. Uh, but Robin I, said four yeah, inches is fine. Yeah,
0: right,
1: yeah, yeah, four inches, yeah, is good. But then I think also the other part about that that they changed is uh, said this is a increase or this is an offset to the previous uh, change that they made because uh, i guess there's more heat in the cars uh because they're probably trying to seal off the car as much as possible to get uh reduced drag and all that stuff uh they added rear window vents but then that caused more drag uh, to the car even though it, it reduced the heat and now they're adding more horsepower and adding or, or taking away spoiler to counteract uh that drag uh so it seems like it's just a a game, uh, or it's it it's a puzzle, basically. You know, the uh, you know, one thing fits, but then another thing doesn't, and now they have to keep making changes to it to see how is it going to drive, uh, and and drive competitively. So it's going to be a lot of changes. I think this is in the the final spec uh, that they have before the season. So it's going to be interesting if they can get it to race uh, competitively, if it uh, doesn't have as much arrow push and they can actually follow through the corners, that would be a definite improvement. Uh, And at least if it also doesn't look like they're flat footing it throughout the corners as well.
0: Yeah. And that's what it, and, and that's what you need to have. You can't Charlotte motor speedway, in its heyday when you're able to race around it, you had to actually back off going into the corners and you had to be able to feather the throttle through the turns and then get and find good bite and then get off. You need to have that, um at cookie cutter racetracks to truly have good racing. Unless you want what SOD and all the idiots, um, you know, Steve phelps and all the other idiots that seem to be running this sport want which is slot car racing on all the racetracks like talladega daytona crap um they should have to drive the cars if it's a cup series you should actually have to earn it um you want to be in the xfinity or trucks or arca you drive over each other run over each other that's part and parcel for the series unfortunately with the kind of where we're at but if you're in a cup car You you should actually have to be able to drive a cup car. Uh, If you can't drive it, you know, I guess you need to find another career. And it shouldn't be easy to drive a cup car. It's the same way as it shouldn't be easy to drive a Formula One car or an Indy car or whatever. You know, like that's, you're at elite level. Um, You know, there was times when it was an elite level in some of these cases. Well, now we're getting back to that. And um, hopefully next gen car will do that. Um, but we will see plenty of testing, uh, plenty of things. Uh, I say, uh probably two more. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Um, go through some news. So Jeremy Donnelly joins GMS Racing. I don't know, I've never even heard that name before. Never He's, heard of uh, him? Yeah, nine years at Ganassi as an engineer for the 42. Uh, worked at Hendrick for an underneath mechanic for Junebug and Jimmy Johnson, the 4888 um, gar- uh, garage, and he was part of the 48 team in 09 and 10 when they won championships. Um, they're going to have a first can, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be the sacrificial lamb for Ty Dillon, who, who sucks. I mean, his wife's <laughs> hot, but he sucks. Um, Starcom's charter is going to go to 2311, thankfully, instead of uh, Spire. So, 2311 will have their two charters now, the 13 car charter and now the double zero charter, go to the 23 and the 45. Um, Spire probably will get other charters. Um, says, What is it? Gagson's going to try to run for the Beard 60 Beard team. I don't know if they're going to change their number or they are going to stay at 62. I mean, 62 is Brendan Gaughan's number. I don't know why um, they're running that, but um, testing, other stuff. Xfinity, uh, Dave Rogers is going to move on to 2311 as well. You're talking about 2311. He's going to be a competition. Um, he's going to be a part of the one of the inside guys uh, there with uh, Wheeler, which, I mean, basically they're a JGR team anyway, but um, Wheeler was the crew chief, and then I think he was a competition director. He's going to be working with Wheeler, so... Guys who have worked with, um, you know, JGR Fryouts are going to be um, lead guys at 2311 under Denny Hamlin. Um, Rogers and uh, Wheeler both worked with Denny Hamlin, so it makes sense. Um, and they've hired Billy Scott to come over, former um, crew chief at Multi. At Stewart-Haas um, and other places, and he's worked with Kurt Busch. Won uh, Bristol with Kurt Busch in the 41 car. Worked with Miss Hummer. Um, so he's, he's been, in I think boy or whatever. So he's going to be coming over. Booty Barker got announced as the full-time permanent crew chief of, uh, Bubba Wallace, which is a great call. Um, they have a great vibe and a great, um, working relationship. If, um, Jerry Baxter wasn't going to come over, um, who of course now he's going to be at, uh, David Gill and racing, crew chiefing, I think, um, Tanner gray, but. I wish he would have went over to twenty three eleven with I mean, not I mean, I like Booty Barker. I've always wanted to see Booty Barker succeed in the Cup series. So the fact that he's with Bubba, it's cool. But I've been a fan of Jerry Baxter too. And I know their relationship that Bubba and Jerry have. I think that would have been a good thing for twenty three eleven to try to make happen and then move Booty Barker over with Kurt Bush and then kind of cultivate that team um and build that. But Kurt seems happy with Billy Scott for I don't know how long Kurt's going to be in the sport. Um, maybe him and Danny have spoken that he's going to do multiple years um, since Monster Energy seems to have, like, endless money. Um, they'll spend it on guys who can drive, like Kurt Busch. They'll spend it on guys who can't drive, like Riley Herbst. Um, you know, all all that's out there. Let's see. Yeah, Herbst is going to come back, drive for um, Stuart Haas. Um, probably gonna be a little bit of data connection between them and Ryan Sieg. And the um, Joe Gibbs team is gonna be three cars. Uh, Brockshot Jones is gonna be full time. Uh, Ty Gibbs will be full time. They won't have four cars at the 18, 19, 20 and 54. The 18 probably goes away, which um, won the championship. And uh, 54 will stick around or they'll just swap points and they'll do whatever. Um, Alpha Prime Racing with Tommy Joe Martins and Cesar Baccarella. Uh, they're going to run uh, two cars, probably at super speedways and road courses um, based on, what is it, uh, uh, Toby Christie's site on J-Ski. Uh, ben Rose and returning to Thor Sport that came out around a week ago. So those are the NASCAR uh, highlights, whatever. I mean, yesterday was the announcement of the rebranding. Now they're RFK racing, which means um, and rebranding in the number six, uh, which is for Brad Keselowski, since he will be finishing his career in the uh, number six car, hoping to get that elusive second championship, hoping to get that elusive daytona 500 which is basically the only thing he's missing from his career uh brad's gonna be a hall of famer in the nascar hall of fame sense but if he wins a daytona 500 it's a guarantee um yeah, it's a guarantee i mean i think he's a guarantee more or less a guarantee anyway but um if he wins a daytona 500 it's over um and you know i, I think that's part of the reason why he moved over because roush Fenway and their previous guys was good on super speedways. This next gen car kind of equals things out at least temporarily. And his mindset bringing in Matt McCall, bringing in basically that whole entire one crew and his own energy of wanting to go improve that, Hey, I wanted to stick around at the two car, but of course he was never going to get ownership at Penske racing. He wanted to have his own thing. He wasn't able to finish the job at, at, his truck series team. Now that he has the backing of Fenway Sports Group, which is about to go and buy the Pittsburgh Penguins, they already have Manchester United. They have the Red Sox. They have all these other entities. They got LeBron James involved in it. Now they're going to buy the hockey team that has Mario Lemieux connected to it and then Sidney Crosby. They're backing Brad Keselowski. I think Brad thinks that he can have this second career and he's viewing it the same way tony did um to a lesser extent i think it's a because tony got it on pennies on the dollar to get half the team he had to put in money i know brad had to put in some money to go and get in here and do this thing but i think he sees the similar aspect of being able to build his own thing and go and say hey i'm trying to invest in the sport and i'm looking at my future and at the same time i'm looking at the possibility approving how good i am as a race car driver and as a team builder um because the people that are coming to this team are some of the better people that best people that roush has been able to bring in to their fold in a long time you think about 16 years ago they had all five of their teams in the in the chase now they're just a mid-range team well brad's like oh screw this there's a team going out of business. I'm bringing most of those people over. I'm getting other people to come over from other teams. We're going to go and change this narrative now with this next-gen car. Um, but, you know, I guess um, we'll see what happens with that. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on the whole rebranding of what is now RFK Racing and Brad Keselowski, um, some of the other news bites that went went on here over the last few days in NASCAR as we get towards um, Thanksgiving break, but then after that will be the band banquet um where we'll see all the champions um honored
1: yeah i mean i think with brad the uh the logo so i feel like the logo is maybe uh from the 90s and has that 90s kind of feel to it uh almost like a futuristic you know what, what people thought looked like would be futuristic from the 90s in a sense and then I think w- with uh, Brad Kozlowski, with him constructing this team, I mean, you talked about Tony Stewart when he constructed his team. Uh, Tony was taking over a team that was basically uh, a field filler at that point. I mean, Haas was basically basically what they are now in Formula 1. Uh, slow, everything, not really all, all that fast. Uh, qualifying constantly in the 30s, finishing in the 30s, and Tony was able to take it and invest in that team, get Hendricks support or get more Hendricks support. They got Darian Grubb from Dale Jr.'s team, and then uh, they were able to uh, have a lot of speed that first year. Uh, and so it could be similar to that. But I think uh, with the, the amount of money that you talked about with uh, Fenway Sports Group, it's a lot of capital uh, that can invest uh, into the team. And now they have a, a new partner, a, a new investor in Kislowski, And I think uh, that'll probably – give more incentive to put more money back into the team uh, and get, get them to have a different standard than what they've had in previous years. Uh, Especially seems like Roush has fallen on hard times in their shop, Uh, just not have not had the same standard they had, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago when they were really good and had five cars, like you said. So it's just a new perspective with uh, having Keselowski there, especially coming from a team like Penske and certainly can bring some of the mindset, some of the uh, lessons that he uh, and perspectives that he learned at Penske certainly uh, apply that to Roush uh, and help them improve. So that should be a good uh, sign of things to come. If they're able to come out of the gate and be really good, if they can finish in top 15 early on and improve throughout the year, that should be a a definitely a, a, a good goal for them to, Uh, attain to at least early in the year I think the other thing I uh, thought about is uh, the JGR is contracting back to three teams you know they've got the 54 the the 19 uh, and then they've got the the 20 car well I mean it looks like to me I I do think it's kind of bad when you have a team like the 18 Daniel Hemrick are I mean they're not bringing back Hemrick but he's uh, going to go to a new team as the champion and then they're not going to bring back the car that won the championship i do think that's uh maybe a little a little bit of a bad look on jgr being able to field uh more cars uh or you know a full team uh, four cars uh, for uh all their drivers and uh, certainly somebody young and upcoming could have been in that ride of course but no sponsorship. Uh, they're probably, and that's uh, uh, what's uh, taking place. I mean, the 54 uh, struggled with sponsorship and there's a few races where uh, Ty Gibbs uh, drove a, a blank car, a black car. So uh, of course, uh, even JGR is uh, struggling with sponsorship. So probably financially for them, maybe three cars made sense at this point. Uh, but of course, I do still think it's a bad look that the the championship winning car is not actually going to be fielded anymore for uh, the uh, Joe Gibbs team. So um, that's pretty much all I have for NASCAR roundup. I mean, I'm not sure if you got anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hemrick, he's going to GMS, and or not GMS, he's going to Colleague, and he's probably going to be in Colleague's second cup car. Uh, I think that's the angle they're preparing, because uh, AJ, um, knowing Matt Colleague the way it seems like everything is, he's got a good deal with Spire. So worst case, he'll get a charter off of Spire, he'll do something, and AJ will get to do his, whatever the hell he wants to do. Because in the end, he gets to go and bang out a Miss, you know, Misses USA um, for the rest of his life and gets to run Xfinity races. And I kind of liked AJ Allmendinger on TV. I kind of miss him on TV this year um, doing the IMSA races. But if it means that he's going to be driving for Michael Shank in a prototype or GT car or whatever the hell, and then he gets to drive NASCAR, you know, I guess we have to take, yeah, I'll take that for a while before he eventually ends up on TV with his buddy Calvin Fish and uh, Lee Diffie. and that leads into the roundup and the Petit Le Mans uh for IMSA the finale the 2021 uh IMSA Petit Le Mans which was a great race um battle that uh, uh ended in the last like few minutes of the race itself which saw Mazda um end their run in uh, the prototype category, at least for now, uh, Harry Tinknell, Jonathan Bomrito, and Oliver Jarvis uh, win the um, the race. And uh, why does this say? Well, what is this? IMSA's freaking? Yeah, there you go. Like, I don't understand why they have. It's the worst. It's the worst website. They have the worst website. IMSA.
1: Yeah, I mean, IMSA
0: it, sucks as a website. I.
1: I can't like.
0: Yeah, it, there's there's no way to 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 the logistics of their website are just it, it's like you think they have. I mean, NASCAR.com isn't good either, but you know, like it's it's even worse than NASCAR.com. So Oliver Jarvis, uh, Tignol Bomarito win um, by three point two nine seconds over Felipe Nasr, Mike Conway, Pippo Durrani, uh, Nasr Durrani, the Wheel and Engineering thirty one car. Gary Nelson um, Action Express, they get a championship. They beat the number 10 team, the Wayne Taylor racing team of Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, and Alexander Rossi um, by half a second. So after I don't know however many months from it started in January at the Rolex 24 where the 10 team won, uh, and then you get down to Road Atlanta in November and the Petit LaMa. Half a second decided uh, the championship, which is crazy. Um, it tells you how um, competitive the um, DPI category is or has been. And, it, and it's a sign with the LMDH category coming in here in the next couple of years, what it could be. All the great manufacturers are be coming into the category. Uh, 48 car of Jimmy Johnson, Kamuya Kobayashi, and Simon Pagenaud in his last run in the Cadillac uh, finished fourth. The Ganassi 0 1, Van Der Zanda, Magnussen, and Dixon finished a lap down. The eight car in uh, LMP2 with the uh, Gabriel Aubrey, James French, John Ferrano won over the 52 PR1 Matheson team. Ben Keating, Mikkel Jensen, Scott Huffaker, and then um, the 11 car of uh, Tristan Nunez. Thomas Merrill, and Thomas Steven third. Uh, the LMP3 category saw the Riley Motorsports 74 Ranch Resort team of Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, Scott Andrews get the W there by a lap over the number 30 um, that Ari Below spun early in the day, but he was able to get back. Uh, Garrett Griss, Spencer Piggott, um, IndyCar driver, Uh, Finished there in second. The Porsche, the WeatherTech Porsche team uh, got a 1-2 basically using five of the six, five, uh, yeah, five factory Porsche drivers and Cooper McNeil. uh, They did the swap. They did the team swap uh, for the 79 to win Cooper McNeil, Matthew and Matt Campbell, uh, Jaminade Campbell, both factory drivers, Kevin Estra. Michael Christensen and Fred Makawicki, uh second uh, by three, what is it, 0.3 of a second. The BMW M8 in their last race, RLL, announced that they'll be running the M4 starting next year in the GTD Pro category. It uh, looks like at least one car in GTD Pro every race uh, before they end up also doing uh, BMW lm DH prototype program, two car team with that. So that's a big announcement that came out during the weekend. uh, Corvette, the C8R is going to be with the BOP is going to move over. One car is going to run here full season, and then they're going to run two cars or at least one car in the world endurance championship in the uh, GTLM form, uh, what they call GT Pro in the World Endurance Championship, in the GTD category, the Aston Martin, uh, Harder Racing Aston with uh, Roman De Angelis, Ross Gunn, and Ian James won over uh, the Porsche, the FAF Porsche of Zachary Robichon, Lawrence Fantor and Lars Kern. And the Lexus, the uh, Vassar Sullivan Lexus of Frankie Montecalvo, Monte Zach Veach, and Robert McGinnis. And a lot of stuff going on there. Of course, the Roar's coming up here uh, less than a two months' time. Uh, I think I said this around this time last year. I'm going to have to kind of harass said person a little more. But there's hope. That a certain famous sports car and and Trans Am driver, a legend, a young guy, um, will come on this show and grace his presence on us. And yeah, their, a certain TK. <laughs> yeah, the original one. Um, we're gonna have to keep on saying it, and hopefully, we're gonna manifest it. I need speak to speak manif- it
1: into existence. <laughs> speak
0: it into existence. The same. way I need to speak into existence a million dollars. Um, if that, I had that, it'd be great. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a possibility um dms are an interesting thing um you know i don't slide into hot chicks dms i go and fanboy into dms of my hero motorsports heroes um you can question whatever you want but the fact of the matter is i respect i don't abuse anybody i'm not a douche like whatever what the hell's the idiot um that blocks everybody because i was literally watching that video about door bumper clear and then mike davis sat there and just roasted all those guys even though mike davis should get blocked permanently blocked from being on any podcast or any entity outside of the fact that he licks dale jr's balls what what the hell's the guy's name on door bumper clear um oh brett griffin yeah he's yeah i can't stand him but he blocks everybody because he's a pussy for as much bullshit as he spews and the fact that his his whole entire cv is elliot sadler and clint boyer that's all i need to say like okay elliot sadler clint boyer inbred lcd January six sixers it speaks for itself i i don't know what else i need to say he could block me too. I really couldn't give a fuck. He's blocked so many people. It's not even funny. It's not even a thing anymore. It, it would, it would show more, more balls on his part, considering how goofy he looks to actually go and actually have a conversation with people instead of blocking or anybody that disagrees with them. And you consider ass backwards. He is, uh, sorry for that, but you know, I just don't like him. Um, moto GP and moto two at Valencia, uh, this past weekend, uh, the uh, significance is simple. It was Valentino Rossi's last MotoGP race, um, and he ended up getting a top ten finish in his last race. Um, one of uh, multiple guys that were in his academy, including the winner, Pecco Bagnaia, who had a great finish to this season. Uh, gets the win. Ducati gets a one-two-three. Bagnaia, Martín, and Miller. Defending, well, now uh, exiting world champion, Joanne Meir finished fourth. Uh, Fabio Quattararo, now the world champion. Fifth, Johan Zarco, who was up there in the top five most of the year. Finished sixth, so four Ducatis in the top six. Brad Binder, NA Bastaini, who rides four. Valentino Rossi. Uh, finished eighth. Uh, Alex Alicia Spargaro and Rossi Morbidelli, Davizioso, Marquez, Olivera Igalakwona were the points finishers. And so that was the end. Moto GP season, the standings in riders, uh, Bagnaya ends up finishing twenty six points behind Fabio Quartararo, um, Joanne Mir. In his uh, chase to win two in a row, finished third, Jack Miller fourth, Johan Zarco fifth, so three Ducatis in the top five. Binder was sixth. Mark Marquez, even though I don't know how many races he missed, finished seventh. Alistair Spargo, Jorge, Martin, Maverick, Vinales, even though he was off of a bike for a while, finished 10th. Um, you can see a lot of Spanish flags, uh, Bagnaya, the sole Italian flag in the top 16, um, uh, Morbidelli, Rossi, Marini, and Petrucci all were outside of the top 15 there. Um, so a lot, I mean, but the point is with MotoGP, you got a lot of Spanish riders, a lot of Italian riders. That's what the series has become, uh, post, you know, the Americans dominating in Moto2, Raul Fernandez, Fabio Antonio, Augusto Fernandez, the podium. Uh, you have uh, I'm trying to look. Uh, the Americans did not fare well in uh, Cameron Bobier, only finished 21st. And there's no Joe Roberts. Uh, so I don't know what the heck happened to Joe Roberts. I'm s- in- interested to see what happened there. Uh, Remy Gardner wins the world championship by, ru- by four points over Raul Fernandez, Marco Bisecki third, Sam Lowe's fourth, Augusto Fernandez fifth. Roberts finished 13th, and Bobier finished 15th in the uh, world championship not sure what happened or Roberts' um, chip change in 2020, uh, but anyway, as Fernandez wins VR46 Moto2 team, Gardner posing on title and Emilio Romagna trying to see here, I Moto2 VR to replace Haslam and Honda Aragon Costa uh, Dixon. So doesn't say anything about Joe Roberts. That's interesting. Uh. Going into supercars at Sydney, uh, part three, uh, the results at Sydney Motorsports Park uh, for the third Sydney, uh, Super Sprint or whatever you want to call it. Anton Di Pasquale won race one over Shane Van Gisbergen and Will Brown. Winch Cup fourth and Brody Kostecki fifth. Uh, Will Davison for seventh. Uh race two saw Di Pasquale win over Winchcup and Van Gisbergen, Moss Sturt, and Davidson, the top five. And race three, Will Brown, Jamie Winchcup, Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, the podium, Nick Percat, Todd Hazelwood, the top five. Uh standings going into the Sydney part four. Um Shane Van Gisbergen has four, two, three, 342 point lead over Jamie Windcup in his last season before he takes over the Triple team as an owner. Uh Will Davison is third. Mostert's fourth. Uh Cam Waters fifth. Anton De Pasquale after his two wins uh sixth. He can he's only nine points or twenty or nineteen points beyond Cam Waters for fifth. And uh I think with the way points are between the Bathurst 1000 and this race that's coming up this weekend, he'd possibly get himself up all the way to third uh, over teammate Will Davison. But we will see what happens with that. Uh, World Superbikes will be running at uh, Indonesia this coming weekend in Mandalika. In regards to World Superbike Championship, uh, the standings, Topak uh, Rasagulu, I can't pronounce his fucking name. And I don't get paid to pronounce their names. Um, If I did, then it'd be one thing. One race to go in the World Championship. He's 20 points ahead of Johnny Ray. Johnny Ray, who's won I don't know how many World Championships in a row. um, He's... Trying to go and do. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember in world superbike uh, lore, even with Carl, Carl Fogarty and the likes, when somebody who won multiple world championships like this, uh, Toprak, I'm just going to say Toprak, uh, could possibly come through and win this world championship over a guy who's won all these world championships in a row. It would be something. Uh, Redding is third, but he is 36 points behind Ray, and that's really the battle. So we will see what happens with that. Garrett Gerloff is eighth. Not sure what he's going to be doing next year. Um, he's not going to be going to MotoGP, of course. Will he get a promotion in Mo- in in World Superbike is to be determined. But if he gets a promotion, he might be riding with the defending world champion in the process. Uh, Qatar Grand Prix, it's a track that MotoGP has ran at many years uh, they usually start their season there it's not a amazing track by any stretch of the imagination probably going to be uh two DRS zones maybe one DRS zone for sure on the front straightaway but possibly two DRS zones um with the um with the horsepower advantage that uh, Lewis seemed to have at Brazil Josh i think we we can make the argument that it might be a, a mercedes track but There's been times this year where, oh, it's a Red Bull track and Mercedes showed up, but to a lesser extent. And then it's like, oh, this is a Mercedes track like uh, Austin and Red Bull dominated. So, I mean, do we really know who's going to go and show up here? There's no more sprint races. This is going to be straight heads up, two practices on Friday, one on Saturday into a qualifying and then a Sunday race. So, I mean, what are you looking at? in regards to who could go and pull this off in the battle for this world championship
1: yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting because this is a new circuit and uh they've never been to it before but i think um it could be interesting especially this this track i mean there's a long circuit on the front straight you know from turn 16 to turn one uh turn 10 through turn 11 is kind of a straight even though it's kind of a curve uh there so you could probably i mean there could be drs through there i could also maybe see the short straight from six to seven or something like that but maybe that's too short for drs uh but it's going to be a interesting mix of power versus uh, handling because it was one long straight like i said but then the rest of it there's not really uh enough length i feel like to you know, really, uh, you know, carry a lot of speed. It looks like, you know, f- basically from turn one all the way through, uh, turn 10, it's a uh, very finesse, uh, t- in some ways it's maybe not s- finesse is the right word, but a lot, a lot of, uh, tight corners for sure. Uh, where, you know, you're going to be up on the-, the power, but then, uh, quickly back down onto the brakes. And then, um, you know, you've got a right hander at uh, turn four, followed by a left hander at turn five and then kind of, yeah, a- a uh, hairpin turn six and then kind of a uh, right hander uh, or yeah, right hander into uh, turn seven. So uh, th- it's going to be an interesting mix of handling versus performance there. And um, you could see Mercedes bringing the power advantage again, like they had at uh, Brazil, and they can enjoy that power advantage all the way from turn 10 to turn one, kind of. Uh, but I think uh, maybe Red Bull might have an advantage on the handling section when the tighter corner. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see what. Uh, each of these teams bring Um, does uh, Lewis Hamilton qualify on the pole or does he uh, qualify uh, on the second um, you know uh, spot there or or even in third Uh, so we'll have to see uh, what happens uh, in qualifying and and then also through practice see what kind of pace uh, do each of these guys have uh, throughout the three practices uh, during the weekend uh, there so it's gonna be tough to uh, pick I mean I I I'm going to pick Lewis because I want to see uh, the championship battle get closer. Of course, if he wins it, would narrow it down to a seven-point lead or even six-point lead, depending on if he gets the fastest lap point as well uh, in this race uh, and definitely close up that championship battle to Lewis Hamilton but then or to uh, Max Verstappen. But then uh, it could be a close race. Uh, could see a lot of strategy coming into play. Uh, does uh, Red Bull this week decide to undercut? Uh, if they feel like they don't have a good enough pace advantage on the, the Mercedes uh, to try to get the lead and uh, get max the win and basically secure the title. So it's going to be interesting. And I think, uh, you know, also what does uh, Valtteri Botas do? What does uh, Sergio Perez do compared to their teammates? Uh, Do they put them all kind of on similar strategies? Uh, Does, uh, you know, uh, Mercedes or Red Bull go for the double stack or go for the double undercut for both those guys to try to make you know one or the other uh, you know do something differently uh, on the on the strategy fool them into a different strategy or make them change their strategy. So that's gonna be interesting. And also look at the uh, the midfield, like we talked about earlier, with Ferrari versus uh, McLaren. Does McLaren uh, get uh, back into their Form that they had at the beginning of the year where they continue to slip, and then we see uh, Ferrari continue to get away from in the constructor's title. So, I think all those things are going to be uh, looking at uh, throughout this weekend. Of course, new track like we uh, talked about, and then uh, it should be interesting to see all these drivers tackle uh, a new racetrack, new new city, new location for the Formula One series.
0: Yeah, and it's a track that's built towards motorcycles. I mean, it's the same. Way as you look at the Algarve uh, track where they've ran the Portuguese Grand Prix for the last few years, um, it's built towards motorcycles, but cars are able to run there um the algarve circuit i think has more passing zones than this circuit does there's only the one drs um zone which basically leads to turn one which is the fastest part of the racetrack and then it's more you know at, uh, tight twisty and you know medium and higher speed kind of deal uh corners um as josh mentioned i think um the mercedes Uh, car is going to be built towards the third sector leading into the first corner. And then the Red Bull car is more suited towards the first and second sectors. Um, so how will that balance out? Um, the, the pit road is long pit road. So whether, and, and it's a rougher circuit, they've never resurfaced the circuit to my knowledge. Um, so maybe tire wear, but they're probably going to bring harder compounds. The C three, C four, and C five, or whatever the heck, or C one, C two, C three, I would figure in regards to their their tire um choices. Uh, relative, okay. There you go. I I was saying that right there will take place this weekend, and C one, C two, C three. So. Um, I went and spoke that into existence, but because they're going to a new circuit, they're going to run with their three hardest compounds, um, going into, uh, this race. I would figure that'll be the same choice for the next race in a couple weeks time at, uh, Saudi in the human rights Grand Prix. Um, but we will see, I think Lewis, it, it we have to see Lewis win this race for this championship to continue. Um, Max wins the race. It it goes back to the whole how do you overcome that gap? Um, because Sergio Perez is performing better than Valtteri Bottas. Um, Red Bull has the power two to one in a sense. It's always been for a while. It's been Mercedes two to one. Now it's Red Bull two to one. Um, what are they going to do? So. A lot's going to play into qualifying. I think um, it could be processional here at Qatar. Um, They've signed a 10-year deal starting in 2023 to run there, um, where they'll be in the calendar, whether they'll be in the front of the calendar or the back. I mean, of course, MotoGP runs there at the start of the year, so I'd assume they'll be in the back end um, running a triple. I think they'll reorganize the calendar in order to run a triple header in the Middle East with the Qatar Saudi and Abu Dhabi end the season and they'll move things back. They'll condense things a little bit and they'll get everything done before the month of December. You would hope they'd add another engine, but that, that would be the, the, the things like, I don't want to add costs, but then you add other costs, but you'd rather have everybody go and make a farcical, make the a farce of the engine limit thing and have everybody take extra power units because I have so many goddamn Grand Prix, but that's beside the point. Um, I mean, I, I guess in regards to I pick Lewis, I think it's going to be Lewis, Max, and um, Sergio Perez. Um, the one wild card I would say would be Carlos Sainz because of how long the straights are, maybe, you know, just to how he is, um, you know, not just because his father's legendary rally driver but he seems to figure out ways on newer circuits to make things happen so i mean if it isn't sergio maybe carlos Sainz comes out there but to me i think it's going to be lewis max and sergio do you see anything different josh before we move into the football
1: I, I don't see anything different there i mean i think it's i pick lewis like i said earlier and then uh max finishing second and i'll go a little bit different for podium at, I think Valtteri finishes on podium. I uh, think uh, maybe
0: Mercedes brings it for both of their teams this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, to be fair, at the end of the day, we're six and one half dozen the other. I mean, you're going to go. I think the two best teams in this sport, guys wanting to show out at the end of the year. Uh, the one thing one thing I'll say is with Dano Ricardo's power unit issues, kind of concerned uh, in regards to the Mercedes side. Um, Will they sacrifice Valtteri again in this spot? Um, They can't sacrifice Lewis because you're not going to be able to overtake at the last two races. And and to be fair, I don't know where you're going to really overtake outside of turn one at Qatar. Um, In MotoGP on motorcycles, you have two passing zones. Uh, What is it you go and look at? You look at what is a turn 15 the turn four is a passing zone on motorcycles. Turn ten sorta is, and then turn fifteen is um, in on a motorcycle. But I'm not sure how that'll can translate in a car. But we'll see. We'll find out. Uh, in regards to the football side of things um what do you you want to talk about fantasy first you want to talk about the uh, niners and or the your jacksonville jaguars well let's talk about the real teams i think that would be good and then we'll lead into fantasy as well
1: well i I think for the jags their defense starting to get in its groove like i said earlier josh allen uh, is becoming josh allen again um miles Jacks starting to get a little bit better Defensively, um, uh, the linebackers, yeah, they're getting really good. Uh, they've been really good at stopping the run. The only, you know, the only running back that's uh, really done anything against them was Derrick Henry, and that didn't even come until the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a big game early on and was able to get to the hundred yard mark. I think before halftime, but then he didn't get anything else after that. The Jags adjusted and were able to stop the run. They limited Carson Wentz' effectiveness. It was right all there for the Jaguars' offense to be able to uh, score points, but uh, they just can't move the ball right now that well. Um they can they can run, but um, it looks like uh, run. You know, when they need to throw, they can't really do it and don't have really good wide receivers. Uh, you know, DJ Shark was out for the year already. Uh, then they had to move uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh to the outside, and he hasn't really performed in that uh, position because he's a slot receiver. Uh, Jamal Agnew is basically the, what uh, uh, Travis Etienne was supposed to be. Uh, but still, not really a lot of experience at uh, the wide receiver position for him. Uh, so they should have uh, focused more on the wide receiver position in off season and tried to invest more in that position. Besides uh, the main starters that they had, Marvin Jones as possession receiver and can get uh, some deep balls, but. I um, mean, he's best as a number two and then uh, should have had a solid uh, number four option that could replace the number one if needed. And they failed to do that. Uh, they just didn't have enough uh, depth uh, speed at the depth of their position. The speed was only DJ Chark and everything else. Um, uh, Marvin Jones is not fast enough. Visca is a, a, a slot receiver and not quite as fast as what they need. So uh, that's going to be the issue for the Jags is uh being able to adjust for not having really good wide receivers uh, and uh, being able to uh, move the ball like that. It certainly hurt Trevor Lawrence's growth uh, throughout the year. Uh, He's been, I mean, fundamentally speaking, the mechanics are there. Uh, All that stuff is there. It's just um, not being able to uh, succeed because a lot of drop passes, a lot of uh, wide receivers not being able to uh, break out of their routes and uh, separate from, Uh, cornerbacks. uh, So that's going to be the the story for the rest of the year. I think just uh, see if they can get anything out of the wide receiver position uh, this year. So uh, we'll see what uh, happens. And I think uh, Jags uh, this Sunday going to be able to stop the run. I think, Uh, pretty well. Uh, They've been able to do that all year. Uh, Passing, I think they can harass uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in pass rush. Uh, Then it's just going to be all about if they can move the ball uh, against the 49ers defense, which is always pretty good. Uh, I think running the ball uh, should be interesting if they can run it against the 49ers and they can also uh, get something in the pass game against the 49ers. But it's going to be a tight matchup, I think, uh, probably going to be a fairly competitive game, I think, throughout.
0: Getting the Niners to have to go across the country on a short week uh, after what arguably is their biggest win of the year. Um, Jimmy played all right. Um, Stat Padford spotted the Niners 14 points with Jimmy Ward going off. Uh, was it getting a pick six and then a recovery there? I mean, that was part of it. Eli Mitchell continues to ball out this year. Um, But it's really about Debo Samuel and how good he has become. I mean, to be fair, two years ago, he was the glue guy on a team that made the Super Bowl in the first for three quarters. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl. I mean, it could have been George Kittle, but they called a bullshit PI on him um, in that game too. That would have won them the game, but that's beside the point. Um, GK actually scored a touchdown. Um, I was talking shit with one of the dudes that I bowl with on Monday. I was wearing my Trey Lance Jersey. So I was trying to will that in existence. I bowled pretty good. Actually on Monday, I bowled terribly yesterday, but um, when I say I bowled terrible, I bowled terrible one game yesterday, but we had no chance because we are giving up so many pins. Uh, but the nine, showed up, uh, didn't know if they were going to do that. They got humiliated against Arizona and um, I guess backs against the wall. At this point, the NFC is wide open. A playoff spot is still in play. How long you're going to last the playoff is is a different story um you also add the fact that you've given up your first round draft pick to philadelphia um or whoever the hell i can't even with the trey lance deal and so you want to bury that pick uh you need a win um jacksonville is competitive they're tough. Josh Allen is showing out, as Josh has said. Defense is starting to get better. James Robinson, one of the best running backs in the league. It's so reliable. Um, when they're able to get him going, it's very hard to stop the Jacksonville Jams. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I don't blame him. Um, he's the best quarterback Jacksonville's had since Mark Brunel, um, maybe David Garrard, whatever. Or I mean, And he's not getting the coaching or the support he needs. But Trevor Lawrence is the answer there. Um, James Robinson is an answer. You know, you have to figure out everything else around them. Those two guys are are pieces to build around um, for a future. At the same time, the Niners have a quarterback that's their future. He's a number three overall pick. He's the guy whose jersey was wearing. That's the guy you need to be playing um, in this spot. Since whatever the hell happens on Sunday, whether we win or lose or whatever, he's the guy. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo's future is somewhere else. Um, he's not going to be the Niners quarterback. He played fine on Monday. Um, he's had two good games in the last month. He needs to have good games the rest of the year for the Niners, to, if, as long as he's on the field, which is questionable, for them to go anywhere. The defense has regressed. Um, as much as Nick Bosa is playing good, he's not as good as he was two years ago. Fred Warner got the check. I I mean, I'm a Fred Warner guy. He don't play the same way as he did prior to that check. He doesn't have that same heart as uh, Patrick Willis did. Uh, the secondary now is kind of getting straightened out. They're getting rid of the old useless veteran types. They cut Drake Kirkpatrick, who got baptized by that Arizona running back. Um, Josh Norman sucks. They're playing the two rookies. The safeties are kind of playing better, of course, with Ward and um, uh, what's his name? Tart Tart, um, and whoever the hell else is back there at this point. Um, Kyle Shanahan has to get out of his own way. There's a possibility to make the playoffs with this team. They can beat Seattle. They need to win this game. It's no offense to Josh and his team. It's no offense to Chad Khan and whatever Khan's kid and whatever, even though Khan's kid cares more about AEW, which is fine um, because AEW is great. Um, need to win this game if you want to stay in a playoff race. New Orleans is not good. Seattle is not good. Carolina is not good. You're basically bringing it back to Scam Newton 10 years ago. At the end of the day, you're supposed to win this. You win this game, you're still in the mix. You don't win this game, people should question how the hell Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have jobs. But Jed York has no balls. Um, Parag Marath and him, you know, plug each other all the time. Um, and it's, I don't know what the fuck they're doing because they're not even, it's a poorly run team. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is a great player in his day, but he has no clue how to game plan or scheme or call plays on defense. Um. I didn't think Bob Sala was that good, but you look at what he's doing, what D'Amico Ryan's is doing with a lot of the same pieces that Bob Sala had, and it kind of makes you think that oh man, Bob Sala's a pretty good coach. It's just the fact that he works for the Jets and that D'Amico Ryan's is not ready for the spot. Um, Trevor Lawrence could have a big game here. James Robinson, you know, Robinson could have a big game here, and that's my fear. You're at home, Duval. The whole bit. Urban Meyer gets to go to some strip club he's probably been to or go to some bar that he's been to when he was at Florida with some co-eds that he probably knows that babysat with an air quote. I just did an air quote. He babysat some of his kids while he was having heart, quote, heart problems. I did another air quote on that. Um, I have a fear. I greatly fear. I mean, I fear this game as much as I fear every game now, because I don't believe the Niners as I'm a Niner fan. I don't believe they can win most games anymore. Um, but Jacksonville, this is a trap. This is the epitome of a trap. Going across country, 1 o'clock game on a Sunday after a Monday night game after the biggest win of your year, and you're going to Jacksonville, they have nothing to lose. Trevor Lawrence hasn't had this like epic game that is why he's the number one overall pick. Even Peyton Manning had one of those when they went 3-13 and in his rookie year. You know He's that good. James Robinson's one of the best running backs in the league. This could become like a knockdown drag out. It could be 9-6, just like that Buffalo game. And Buffalo is a freaking great team. You, you humbled Buffalo's Josh Allen. The Niners are not even in that level. So we'll see what happens um, with all of that. Um, in terms of last week in the uh, Fall Brawl League, Josh continues to do his thing. He was second high scorer. Last week, Wilson gets his first win, a uh, weekly win. After, I mean, he's dominated the league anyway. Um, in terms of the overall scoring, uh, Vic leads the overall scoring. I'm second, and uh, Wilson is third. Wilson's already locked up a playoff spot. Um, Vic and Josh have a chance to lock up their playoff spots here. This week, I figure um, Vic's on a six-game winning streak. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, you beat Dammy, who I think is thrown in the towel. Yeah, he said he, he was Yeah, he's throwing. He threw in the towel. Um... <laughs> He was he was throwing in a towel on Monday when he was talking to me, and then he didn't even show up to play yesterday when we were playing for money. Um, he's my boy. He's the governor whatever, but you got to show up for Tuesdays. I don't care if you show up. Don't show up for Monday. At least take your day off on Monday and show up on Tuesday. But that's beside the point. Scott will go and tell him that because he listens to this podcast. But um, I'm waiting on you to give me the, the better equipment, Scott, and some deer meat uh deer meat meat because he's a he goes and knocks off deer and whatever oh okay hunter uh
1: venison all right
0: him and i call him and his uh his old buddy on the doubles joe who's also knocking off deer i called them brooks and dunn because they both have mullets and they're both you know just scots and alabama He's an Alabama graduate, and he's interesting. And then Joe has a mullet, and he has a lisp, so it's like deliverance. So I called him Brooks and Dunn. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck their names are. I just called him Brooks and Dunn because I always have nicknames for everybody. It's something that Josh probably realizes or recognizes over time. I have terms of endearment until I figure figure out if they're good or not. And even if they're good people or not, I'm still going to call them by whatever the hell I come up with at first. Because I have mullets, so it's like whatever. I mean, at the end of the day. But um, Scott and Joe both are good bowlers, but they're better hunters and better at other things. Um, and, uh, yeah, Scott was like, "You, I don't want to ever see you wear that Trey Lance jersey. I'm going to wear that fucking Trey Lance jersey. He's my boy. Um, he's the future of the 49ers. If Kyle Shanahan has a clue and game plans him, uh, makes him look good. Um, in regards to, yeah, so... I mean, all the big time, big teams in our league continue to win. It was a low scoring week to be fair. Um, I ended up finishing uh, what is it? One, two, three, four, fourth. So got another top five finish. Um, Wilson's going to get a lot of money that he doesn't need winning the regular season and probably winning the dual win title, uh, the battle for the second seed and a buy between you, Josh and Vic is going to go down to the wire. Probably. I mean, it's still in play. You could still possibly get, um, the, uh, number one seed. You need a little help, but, uh you have a lot of waiver budget. Crazy crap could happen. Uh, you could possibly put yourself in a position to get somebody big. Um, I mean, the looking at this week's uh, lineup, you're going to end up playing Joe, who's the defending champion, uh, has had a lot of bad luck this year. Um, I'm going to be playing Nick, who, Nicky, who's um, on the bubble uh, for the playoffs right now um, when you consider... He makes probably the same kind of money I make, and he's like 16, 17 years old. It tells you how bad my life is. I don't think he is. He's a freaking server. I say that, but he makes money, and because he looks like he's box office, they go and give him money. Uh, Wilson's going to win for sure. Uh, Demi and uh, Manny are going to play in a Pittsburgh battle. Uh, Vic's going to play Luke. Uh, Luke is still competitive, so that could be a a swing game um this josh we have a bunch of swing games here this week but um what do you think in josh in regards to your teams i mean i lost in my other league uh on yahoo the team i i won with last year um but i'm still fourth and at least as of now i'm i've got the projection ahead against the team that's dead last so i'm going to be able to at least uh stand up to them um i got uh I got Scam Newton actually so I'm going to play him and I'm going to project to be well ahead of that as well. I'm going to go so um and then in my third league we've won four out of the last six games. We have a backdoor possibility of making the playoffs. So can't really complain considering where we were starting the season 0 and 4. Um so we'll take that. But where where are you at in regards to fantasy?
1: Well, just picked up Cam Newton uh, just because uh, he's got a really good matchup, the best matchup in fantasy uh, this week. So uh, picked him up, drop Marvin Jones from the Jags. Tells you what I think about Jaguars are receivers right now. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. I mean, this is maybe not a a start that I'm going to have, but the reason I picked him up was to keep him from getting picked up from any other people. So uh, that's kind of the thought there. Uh, keep him on there on the shelf. Uh, maybe starting this week, actually, because it is the good matchup. Washington's giving up the most points to quarterbacks in fantasy. It's probably a better matchup than Kirk cousins over whatever team, the uh, Minnesota Vikings playing this week. So that's uh, kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, my, uh, playing yeah playing joe this week cd's td's gonna be a tough matchup uh he's just had a bad year i think because last year he was really good and went undefeated most of the year uh but now it's uh you know a little bit tougher matchup still so we'll see how that goes i think i have a 55 percent chance projection right now so uh you know that's kind of how it starts out we'll see how it goes inside the game uh my other league uh won this week and um uh, yeah, yeah, I'm at uh six and three in that other league and first place in the division, not the league, but first place in the division, so second in the projected bracket for the playoffs. Uh, so we'll see how it goes there. I had AJ Dillon in that league on the bench the entire year, and now uh, Aaron Jones gets hurt, so now start him. So now I've got three running backs uh, in that league that are pretty solid because I thought, um, I've got how do I have, I have uh, ezekiel elliott him uh damian harris uh let me look at this really quick uh let's see in that league i have uh it's got to load it first uh, open the app give me a second here uh, matchup oh yeah i have james connor as well arizona uh which they'll probably have to lean on the run game a little bit as kyler murray gets recovered from his ankle sprain uh so yeah that league uh, got three solid running backs this league got uh, Solid running backs, Uh, Saquon's coming back from injury, Austin Neckler, um, and then uh, David Montgomery is back now after being injured for uh, most of the season. So running back front starting to look a lot better in both of my leagues. So definitely uh, looking better there and should be helpful, especially as we uh, go towards the end of the season when running the ball becomes a lot more important than passing, especially in the playoffs. So uh, we'll see what happens there.
0: Yeah, I had Derrick Henry in that spot in uh, my league and on my team k adams royo and then that went away um covid denier i have covid denier as my one of my quarterbacks and i also have russell whitebred russell wilson so we'll see um how that works um i have cmc and joe mixon as my two lead running backs and then uh, michael carter and uh josh jacobs and then wide receivers wise i mean i have i have evans jefferson and allen and you would say how the hell am i fourth um i've acquired some of these guys later in the year um i have um josh's boy josh allen the jacksonville josh allen um jordan poyer from the buffalo bills and uh fred warner who I mean, I'll, I'll always be a, a Fred Warner guy, even if I know that he doesn't play as hard now that he got the contract. But this game is a swing game. If I can get this one, it'll kind of turn things a little bit. Nicky, has got Dak Prescott. I mean, he's filling his roster with people that... I mean, he has James Robinson and Marlon Humphrey on the bench. I mean, he's not going to play Marlon Humphrey. Darnold's on the IR. He has an empty spot, it looks like. Um, James Robinson should play, which would mean that that would go and that would disappear because I don't know why he has him. Um, It's almost like he doesn't know. I mean, he knows what football is and he probably plays fantasy elsewhere, but I don't know why he's kept this guy in his team the whole year, but AJ Dillon's on his team. He has Alvin Kamara and he's going to have James Robinson. So it's like, I'm almost speaking into existence. What's going to happen to us, but whatever the case, we'll see what happens. I'm competitive this week in both leagues uh, on Yahoo and the sleeper league. We'll see uh, hopefully positive. I care more about winning in my league and then um, winning uh watching my drivers win. Uh and that's really where it is right there. Um let me uh go to you, Josh, in regards to your sim segment. Let us know where you've been racing and what you're planning to do here as we lead into Thanksgiving and into the off season.
1: Yeah, so this week I racing the IndyCar Oval series at Indianapolis. Been trying to run in Indianapolis, of course. It's the track you gotta run at at Um, the Indy cars and been trying to run, uh, that since yesterday, ran two races, uh, yesterday and, uh, ran, I think I ran on Monday as well. Um, ran, uh, just earlier before we started, uh, yesterday, the last run I had, I ran out of gas on the, uh, final lap coming off of turn four on the straight and had, had it in the bag.
0: Robbie Gordon.
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, not even Robbie Gordon because he ran out coming to the last lap. I ran out on the last lap uh, coming to the checkered. So I just needed a little bit more. You're
0: like J.R. Hildebrand. You just didn't hit the fence.
1: No, I didn't hit the fence. And he might have ran out of gas if um, he didn't hit the fence because he was pretty close. I was reading about that uh, earlier in the week, I think. And someone saying, yeah, if he didn't hit the wall, he would have ran out of gas or gotten close. So Yeah. Yeah. Ran out of gas off turn four, the fuel pressure. Like I thought it was going, going, going. And then all of a sudden just right off the exit of turn four, started to sputter and then got past and then finished in third. So uh, that's how that ended. I I thought I had it. It was like coming close. was like, oh, this is it. And then bam, it was out. So <laughs> that's how, that's how it goes. I just needed a little bit more. I needed to save. Cause at one point uh, we, I, I was battling for the lead and then I think everybody else started slowing down. And then I switched the fuel map uh, to the fuel map five uh, for gas mileage. And then, then I went to the caution fuel map for like one corner um, and then I went back to uh, fuel map five and then I was trying to lift and I think I, I just messed up the uh saving part right at the end i probably should have uh because i i put a lot of distance when everybody else started saving i had like almost four seconds but then uh didn't do enough to really save and i thought i like on the back stretch, thought i had enough because like it was like oh have about a half gallon left uh but that that quickly went away so i was on on empty uh it was like the the fuel pressure low light came on on turn three and then i thought it would be enough to make it but was not enough uh but you know there would be more races later in the week uh, for indy so i uh, will just keep trying i mean i thought i had a win there in the bag but we'll see and then today uh finished in seventh um uh pitted uh got well i was uh i guess like the leaders i was with the leaders for the most part and uh lap 20 it was green. The first two guys came in pitted and then me and the other guy, we stayed out and then we got caught with a caution with about four laps that left in the fuel window. Uh, so then we pitted and then everybody else that had already pitted got in front of us. And then I had a bad pit stop. So I had to make up some spots and it finished in seventh there, but you know, that's how it goes at Indy sometimes. Uh, and then, Later in the week, uh, there is the uh, Freedom 100 being uh, held, which, uh, if you remember, I tried to that last year, didn't make it into the race, so got eliminated last chance qualifier. Uh, this year, I think I know what's going to happen this time, and I think I got a little bit more experience on this, so in general, I racing more experience, so should be up there. Um, we'll see what happens. I have not actually filled in an entry blank yet, but I think I'll do that here soon um, and get that taken care of. Uh, so that should be should be good uh, we'll see what happens there because uh, last year if you didn't know about the rules or the you know the um the gray area you could use the pit lane for qualifying right and did not use the pit lane to uh qualify uh so now i know that this year and definitely will try to use that although they put it in the rules this year so they said yo they will not enforce not or using the pit lane so it's free they said in the rules so i think everybody knows it now so now the qualifying times are going to be really tight we'll see what happens um but should be interesting to uh see and yeah definitely let you know uh i mean i i will i think i yeah we'll put in entries so just you know hadn't done it yet been a little lazy or whatever but put that in and we'll race uh that's on sunday at i think yeah. The qualifying starts at seven forty-five, And I think the, uh, race events, the last of uh, the, the qualifying races start at eight. And then afterwards is the main event, the freedom, 100, saving the freedom, 100. And then, um, uh, the entries of note in that one is uh, Devlin D Francesco is going to be racing in that, uh, uh, David land, YouTuber, uh, Darian Gillum also known as black flags matter on YouTube. Uh, I think, who else is in that? Um, Christopher DeHarty, I think you know him, or you're kind yeah, of Twitter Chris Yeah, one
0: of the um, IndyCar uh, insiders. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's running a sim. That's something.
1: Yeah. So he's in that, and he's got a team going. Uh, so yeah, I'll throw an entry there. We'll try to represent the GSP, and hopefully this time we actually make it into the race, and then it uh, should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I figure if you get in this time, you'll be all right. I mean, we're working on it, Indy 500. It, running at Indy, it's never easy. It the It's the one is, you want to win. <laughs> when... When Roger Penske, who literally owned the tr- who owned the track and now owns a track, can miss the Indy 500, it tells you how much Indy means. He, Alan Sear Jr. said it in his initial Indy 500 win. Um, so uh, in Indianapolis, my one time I got to go there um, will stick with me for the rest of my life, and I want to go back there again for the Indianapolis 500 in the worst way. I want to be able to have the money to be able to go and live out, you know, and I mean, I want to be able to make the money where I can just spend the whole month of May in Indy, go and watch, you know, USAC and see the night before the 500 at IRP and go and watch the Indianapolis 500 and just get like completely demolished. And then you can just put me in a wheelbarrow and bring me back to my freaking hotel room. But knowing Buddy Baker's stuff, it'll probably some other stuff would happen because Buddy Baker gotten caught up in some stuff with tiny London snakes and other animals. But that's beside the point. Um, We'll look at you, Josh, and hopefully um, I've got faith. I always have faith in my boy um, to come through. Um you give a man of your intelligence and stature uh time to prepare. I figure you'll be able to do better this time. Um and there's there's good competition, but you know, you're pretty goddamn good to behind the wheel, along with uh being a great Sidekick and um, Outline um, Editor and all the other great things that Josh does here um, on the GSP. You can uh, follow us on at Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Podbean on Twitter. Of course, Matt Gates wants to go and hire Kyle Rittenhouse because Matt Gates probably wants to fuck him in the ass. Um, At Pod on Twitter... We're on, uh, we're on uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Amazon M- Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, we're on PhilipGMatthew.com, and uh, that's my blog site. Trying to get back into writing. I've had some inquiries from an old uh writing boss to go um go and write again. So it'll be interesting to see what um what uh comes of that. Unfortunately I ran a sealant feeling. So the thirty six person to read just gets back to seal wrap. I'm feeling generous. Oh, so you ran out of seal wrap nine years ago. Okay, so that's a joke. Freaking Austin Dillon repaired his car, blah, blah, blah. It's interesting what comes up on our Twitter, uh, our Pod Twitter. I wish there was more action on our Twitter, to be fair. But I also think there's – I get more stuff, random stuff now, because there's really nobody active. Uh, It would be nice to actually get more people posting on our Twitter uh, feed. I'm at – Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well. So um we'll see what happens. Um uh, please follow us. go and give us a listen. Where can we follow you, Josh? Where can we see your sim segments?
1: As always, uh, Twitter at JP Huffine and then twitch tv slash g c two of course, watch the race today. watch last night, the moment when I ran out of gas, just skip to the end or watch uh, the great battles that we had uh, in that race. But, yeah, that's where you can watch it. And then, of course, have the stream for uh, the Freedom 100 uh, Sunday, 8 p.m. So uh, see you on there. We'll be watching or uh, be driving. I'll be driving and then you'll be watching. So uh, be on there and uh, watch and follow.
0: So let's, yeah, definitely go and follow Josh. He's He knows how to drive. I've been able to watch his, his uh, streams on JP or on usailor2 on twitch and he's very calm cool collected like david pearson unless some bullshit happens and then even josh can fry out which personally as a friend i kind of get a kick out of of josh being angry because it's hilarious because it's not out of character so then when he gets angry it's kind of like cool because like oh man dude actually gets out of his shell it's like oh man he, he actually has a different side um but you know, we, we all have our different sides. I have all my sides. I wear them on my sleeve. Um, but Josh definitely handles things better, which is why, um, obviously he's more successful. And, um, um, has a lot more going for him but um either way uh, we will be back uh next week with episode 88 of the grifter podcast we'll talk about uh the Qatar Grand Prix we'll talk about supercars NASCAR IndyCar we'll, whatever the heck else prior to Thanksgiving we'll talk about where we're going for Thanksgiving what we're doing um and see what happens with that hopefully bowling goes better than what it is this week on my end josh qualifies for the freedom 100 we'll have a positive um happy show here next week i mean we always have a happy show um people want to say we're i'm negative but go fuck those people you just don't want to hear the truth people want to say it's negativity it's the truth and if you want to listen to the likes like fucking Stephen a smith or skip bayless or colin Cowherd or freaking jim rome you'll say and he's like am i comparing myself to them no what i'm saying is i know more than most of those motherfuckers i don't need to get paid the kind of money they do i've forgotten more than they'll ever know in their life and i tell the truth and i'll always tell the truth and i'm i'm real those guys have been bullshitting for decades and we're always going to be real and we're always going to say it like it is the gsp is always going to be on the front end of things and if i could get And to be fair, if I could go and get out of my own way, we'd be promoting this shit to where we're making money on this deal. And we're going to, because that's where this thing's going. So we thank you for listening to Gripture Podcast, all the people that support us. Um, Listen to us every week. Thank you uh, to Josh, as always. Thank you, brother, for having my back, um, picking me up. And we pick each other up and um, support to you in your run on the driving side and we're going to go and bring it back hopefully the gsp car we're going to get a gsp car in victory lane if it ain't going to happen i want it to happen 21 we're definitely going to have it in 22, whatever the hell it is. If we have to get you on dinner with racers, you might as well go and do the, you should go and do the um, Thursday night blunder deal. I think that would be the ultimate um, thing. If you get in on Thursday night blunder, um, that would be the great collab because then we could get Ryan Eversley on the show too. Um, that might be an angle. Actually. I just thought about that right here on the end of the show. So, <laughs> um, cause there's a lot of good drivers there. And there's a lot of them, uh, RG bargy. I didn't get to bring that in earlier. I should have brought, I said, Calvin fish. I didn't say RG bargy. So now I got my RG bargy, um, uh, mention, uh, in, because I love it when he says RG bargy, but it is what it is. We thank you for listening to Christopher podcast. Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, follow us on the socials. And we'll be back next week to go and review all the things, racing, football, whatever else is going on, Um, if I haven't lost my mind yet, which is debatable since it's questionable if I still have my mind right now. Thank you for listening to Griffith Podcast. Take care. bye